I wonder what some of you, what your... Um, what marks out the nativity story, what the thing is that, think, that you think of? You might be thinking chocolate now. That might be quite a distraction uh, as you think about the Christmas story. Um, but what marks it out for you? What's the thing that's the standout element? And for many people, it's the, the humbleness of the situation. Uh, we're going to take a look at this nativity story this morning, um, a brief look. I know that you're hoping that it's brief. I'm hoping it's brief for your sake. Um, and when we think about this humbleness of Christ's birth, the basics, the lack of facilities when, when, when Mary gave birth, we can think about the story of the shepherds. They're cold, maybe dirty, perhaps hungry, huddled around a fire out in the fields, so smelly from their work, hungry. Maybe Joseph and Mary were exactly the same. Cold, hungry, perhaps. I mean, the, um, if the inns were full, perhaps there wasn't a lot of food around with the amount of travellers for the census. Mary racked with labour pains. Joseph's going, what do I do here? I doubt that it was the time when the men acted as midwives. Uh, so I just wonder you know, about the, this humbleness and the lack of preparedness Um, The scripture tells us that when the time came, she gave birth. Now, I don't know if that means that it was her natural time to give birth or whether it's her time because it was God's timing for her to give birth at that time in that place. So perhaps she was premature. I know that when we came back from overseas on home assignment in 2002, I was seven months pregnant and I was not prepared in terms of giving birth. Emotionally I was prepared, but uh, in terms of the things one normally has ready, especially like say the, for the first child, everything's ready weeks in advance, laid out, pre-washed, the whole, the whole thing. There's a few nods of mums going on. And, but with our third child, um, we'd come back from overseas. I was seven months pregnant and I had bought no baby clothes. I hardly had any maternity clothes. I did have some, a couple of bags of things I hadn't sorted through from a sister-in-law. And I was not prepared and in the, in the middle of one night I had some significant labour pains and uh, I thought, oh, this is a problem uh, because I have nothing organised, I don't know where the local hospital is, uh, nothing. But like, thankfully those uh, were false alarm, it settled down and then we moved on to my mum in South Australia and I still was not prepared and I went into labour properly Uh, It was a Sunday without the shops open, so there was no last-minute dash to the shops, so there was no things laid out. And I think of this story with Mary. I I doubt that she had the nappy bag packed before she went on the journey with the grow suits pre-washed, the lovely blue cloth um, so that she could have the good baby pictures after the birth. Uh, So how prepared were uh, Mary and Joseph and although this does mark it as a humble start, there's more to this story because it really isn't the start. And we've been talking about that over the recent weeks. Christmas start to finish. This story is not the real beginning. The real beginning came before time itself when God the Father, the Son and the Spirit existed and God had a plan and God was prepared And God gave prophecy. We've had all these things over recent weeks. And here in this smaller part, this vignette of the greater history, we have the climax or the peak. If we can take Sean's hiking analogy, if you were listening in or you were here a couple of weeks ago, and we have the arrival. 
So Sean used this analogy of hiking to the peak of a mountain but it seems to me that Christ is the peak because when we reach the top of the mountain, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, that's, it's both a destination and a starting point. And when we get to the peak of a mountain, as, as Sean said, we look out over the panorama, we get the, the proper perspective and the right view. And so for, for me, I trust for you that Jesus is that mountain peak. But it's an arrival, it's not, it's not the final destination because here we get to move on. As when we have that new perspective, when we're in Christ, we are moving on, changed, and we start out our journey as new creations. But we are homeward bound. So for a short time this morning, we're going to put aside the humble start aspect of the nativity and we're looking and we're focusing on the glory that's evident in the story. It's a birth arrival, it's a birth announcement but unlike any other and the birth of a child is very special but this particular one is glorious. It is supernatural. God became man. The glory of God shines in the fields. An angelic choir gives a praise concert for the shepherds. A virgin gives birth at a particular place, at a particular time to fulfil prophecy and the promise of God. And the glory is a demonstration of God and the child is God in human form. So when we encounter God in his glory, we're challenged and we're changed and we're going to read the story because it's important for us to come to God's word and see what it says to us. And though it's familiar, I'd like you to follow along as we read this story from Luke chapter 2 and we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 20. The birth of Jesus. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, verses 8 and 9 tell us the shepherds were living out in the fields. They were keeping watch over their flocks and an angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they were terrified. They're not the first nor the only ones to have this terrifying experience of God's glory. Throughout the Bible, start to finish, as we're looking at, we've got Abraham in Genesis 17. Abram falls face down because of God's glory and God makes a covenant with him and he is changed God even gives him a new name, Abraham. Jacob has a dream, a vision of the Lord and there's a renewal of the covenant and when he wakes, he says he was afraid. He was in awe as a result of this encounter. A little later, he goes to meet Esau and he has another encounter. He describes it as wrestling with God and he says that he saw God face to face and yet his life was spared and he was amazed and he too gets a change of name. In Exodus, the Israelites fear the glory of God that they see as a consuming fire on Mount Sinai. When Moses asks to see God's glory, God knows it's going to be too much for him. He hides him in the cleft of the rock while he passes by. God's glory is so overwhelming that when his glory fills the temple like a cloud, the priests can no longer do their job. Ezekiel has a vision the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God and when he saw it, he fell face down. Daniel experiences God's glory. Angels shut the mouths of lions on his behalf and I think it's safe to say that probably the lions and the angels were both terrifying. Daniel has numerous visions. In chapter 7 we're told that in one vision he looked and he saw before him one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence and he was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All people, nations and men of every language worshipped him and his dominion would become an everlasting dominion that would not pass away and his kingdom would never be destroyed. Verse 15 says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the vision that passed through my mind disturbed me. Following another vision, he lays exhausted and ill for days, appalled, it says, by the vision. And he turns to the Lord in prayer and petition, fasting, sackcloth and ashes. God's glory is a terrifying thing. Isaiah cries out, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So time after time in the Old Testament we read these stories, angelic and glorious visitations and they are, they are terrified. The people fall down in fear and in awe and in worship and it's in the New Testament. We have the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples fall terrified on the mountain of transfiguration. Paul knocked from his horse on the road of Damascus Road. John in Revelation sharing uh, visions of God's glory so powerful and glorious that we can't even conceive of it. We can be awestruck. We can fall in shame because we know our sinfulness in his presence and we know judgment and that is terrifying. But change can come through an encounter with God's glory. 
When we think of the story here with the shepherds, they could have remained just cowering in fear in the fields, terrified, but they actually have this discussion. They hurry off to see for themselves the things that they've been told, the things that may have happened. And they encourage one another to seek out truth, to discover the sun, the sun being the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being according to Hebrews 1.3. So an encounter with Jesus is an encounter with God's glory. And the shepherds took heart from the reassurance they had from the angel not to be afraid for what they were hearing was great news, good news, great news, a saviour born. And I don't know, we don't get the stories, all the details as, as the Bible says, we can't know every little thing. How did they go? How did they find this child? Did they go and listen for baby, go along listening at the doors? Is there a baby cry here? Did they stop people in the street who were there for the census? I mean, there was a lot of strangers around, so maybe they wouldn't have known. How did they find the child? We don't know all the details. But they were looking for the sign of a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. As if an angelic choir is not enough, the sign is a baby wrapped in cloths. So this encounter with God's glory causes them, seeks, leads them to seek the Christ child, the reality and the person of God's glory. And like the Old Testament characters who encountered God in his glory or were led to experience him through a demonstration of his glory or the shepherds, we are exposed to all sorts of instances of God's glory if we open our eyes to see it. There's an old hymn that says, open my eyes that I might see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. And verse 2 goes on to say, open my ears that I might hear voices of truth. And verse 3 and 4 speak of open mouths and open minds. The shepherds had open eyes. They saw God's glory shine around them. And they had open ears. They heard angelic voices singing truth and God's praise. And after they encounter God in Christ, they are changed and they have open mouths to share the message. God's glory can lead us to an encounter with the true God in Christ, his son Jesus. And when we do that, we are changed. I'm no longer the person I was before I encountered Christ. Then I was lost and seeking meaning, but when I encountered, as I encountered Christ, I had found meaning and purpose and hope in life. And God's glory is all around us. The beauty of creation, the kindness of people, the very gift of life itself. I encourage you to open your eyes this morning to look for God's glory. And do not be afraid. It is good news of great joy. A saviour was born. Be open to an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with the reality of God's Son that will change you. And changed by that encounter, God's glory will no longer be terrifying. It will be grace and truth and joy to you as it has been to me. In 2 Corinthians we're told that we are now, when we're in Christ, when we are changed by our encounter with Christ, we are with unveiled faces, reflecting the Lord's glory and being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. His glory is no longer terrifying prospect. Judgment's removed. Christ has paid the wages of sin. 
Death is no longer our end. When we're in Christ, we're transformed into new beings and we can return, as maybe the shepherds did to our lives, but we are changed people. And we now add to the glory of God. We now add to the praise. I love that the message translation, the way it um, tells us, verses 19 and 20, tells us that the shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God. And I think that's something we maybe need to do more. Let loose with glorifying him. His glory is our hope and our joy. Let's celebrate it and look for it and demonstrate it and anticipate his eternal glory. That's to glorify God. And to quote John Piper, this act of glorifying is showing God to be glorious, great, beautiful, valuable, wise, strong, good, loving, just, holy, merciful, gracious and satisfying. So that to glorify is to make clear to others what God is like so as to seek their praise and admiration of him so that they may join in seeking to show how great he is. This is our mission as it was for the shepherds. In verses 17 and 18, the shepherds, when they had seen him, spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Matthew 5.16 calls us to shine our light before others so that by our good works, by all we do and say, we give glory to the Father in heaven. No longer terrified, but encouraging others, proclaiming that message, getting others to join in. The angel proclaimed a message and the glory of God was evident as it shone around and a host of angels then joined in, praising and glorifying God. There was a proclamation, a glorification and a multiplication. And the shepherds went seeking what had been told to them, proclaimed to them, open to the truth of an encounter with God and they were changed and they returned, no longer terrified by God's glory. Now they're joining in the glorifying and the praising. They too are now proclaiming and glorifying and multiplying. From Abraham in Genesis to John in Revelation, Christmas start to finish, his story is always glorious. Our story, however, can change from terror to joy when we're changed through an encounter with Christ. I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward as we close the service and I want you to ask yourself, where are you in this story? Are you going about your business but find that you're terrified by an encounter with God's glory because it's meaning judgment? Or are you hurrying Are you speeding towards life-changing encounters with Christ always? Spreading the message of good news and great joy to others? Are you like the angels and the shepherds, proclaiming and glorifying and multiplying? Good news has come to us. News of great joy, a saviour was born. God so loved the world that he gave us himself. Emmanuel God with us in Jesus the Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life.